Um, I know as someone who's not well-versed in the Bible, context is very hard, so I thought I would read the context because it um, enhances today's scripture reading. The book of Philippi uh, Philippians was written around the period of 61 AD from Rome during Paul's imprisonment there. The Apostle Paul wrote this letter to thank the believers for the gift they had sent him. It is one of his most informal letters, and his overflowing love and affection for the believers is obvious. That being said, verses 12 through 26 of Philippians chapter 1. Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. It is true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of good will. The latter do so out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The, formal, the former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I am in chains. But what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached, and because of this I rejoice. Yes, and I will continue to rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and God's provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now as always Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. If I am to go on living in this body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet what shall I choose? I do not know. I am torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far. But it is more necessary for you that I remain in this body. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain, and I will continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the, in the faith so that through my being with you, again, your boasting in Christ Jesus will abound on account of me. Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then, whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in the one spirit, striving together as one for the faith of the gospel, without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. This is a sign to them that they will be destroyed, but, the, but that you will be saved, and that by God. For it has been granted to you on behalf of Christ not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for him, since you are going through the same struggle you saw I had, and now hear that I still have. Well, good morning once again. Glad that you're here. I see uh, Christy, is that your sister? <laughs> I can tell, I can tell. It's good to have her with us. Is that Marietta or the Atlanta? Marietta? Well, welcome, glad you're here today. Um, this morning I was thinking about, we watched the uh, game last night, and when I say the game, there's only really one game in Columbus, except for a couple of you, um, have some other teams. And uh, I thought of this story I heard uh, that a coach, and after I heard the controversy, I don't really know what the controversy that Coach Day was talking about, but uh, after I heard his, his uh, comments after the game, reminded me of a story I heard of uh, a coach that passed away, went to heaven, and was given the tour, and up on the hill was a house with all kinds of Buckeye 
uh, flags and signs and the big, big uh, Brutus in the front. And the guy goes, uh, hey, that must be Woody Hayes' house. Where, where's my house? And the, the guide says, oh, no, that's God's house. <laughs> I thought of that this morning after hearing some of those stories. And I'm not sure God's a Buckeye. I think he's for all of us. But, uh, and the other thing I want to mention as we get started this morning, I went to the men's retreat uh, Friday night, Saturday, and I, I would encourage all of us, all of us men in the future to go. We used to go with quite a few people, but Russell tried to get me to go, or asked me to go, and I went and very much enjoyed the speakers, and, uh, but uh, he did something on Friday night that uh, kind of spun, spun my wheels a little bit. Uh, he asked for those at college and younger to stand, and about 25 people stood, and then he said, those 60 and up to stand. You know, I always thought that was like the 70s and up or to stand, but he asked the 60s and I'm like, oh no, I gotta stand up. And uh, so I stood up and looked around with many senior saints and some others my age. And uh, it was a beautiful time of, of just uh, conversation about our responsibilities and different things. Uh, one of my former students was one of the speakers, Rob Long. And he referred uh, several times to our camp, camp experience when he was uh, in, hi in high school and, and uh, the things that he learned from camp. And, and uh, I appreciated that, that affirming of, of remembering those days and, and those good times. But uh, oh, 60 and up, that was a, that was a hard, hard thing to stand. Uh, this morning, uh, I wanted us, our conversation is going to be joy out of adversity. We're in Philippians chapter 1, continuing our series. And I found this, uh, this picture of Paul in chains uh, for, for the gospel. And I, I thought that would be an interesting, and I don't know how well you can see it. Um, but you can see the two guards are chained to each side, and they look rather sleepy and annoyed. Um, and as we hear, uh, as the story goes on, conversation goes on today, we hear that Paul was chained to somebody all the time. And, and in the scriptures, we hear about him sharing the gospel with all of those people. So that might be the clue or the cue for us to chain ourselves to somebody and, and share the gospel with them. And uh, at six hours a time, as it sounds like the shift was, that'd be a long time to hear about the love of God. And as we hear, as we know, many people uh, responded to that in a beautiful way, and their, their world was changed. So this morning, as we talk about adversity, I found a, a quote that says, if we had no winter, the spring would not be so pleasant. If we did, if, uh, we did not sometimes taste, sometimes taste of adversity properly, uh, prosperity would not be so welcome from Ann Bradstreet. And when we think about adversity, nobody wants adversity. Nobody likes confrontation, but so many times it, blessings come from that. And we're going to talk about those this morning. Adversity is something that we all face, and there's many different types of adversity. Uh, there are hardships and trouble. Uh, the definition is ver a very difficult situation or unfavorable situation. Um, hardship, trouble, distress, suffering are all types of adversity that we face. What, and there's six they kind of round out into about six different types. One is physical adversity, from like being blind or deaf or 60 and above. <laughs> um, 
obese or chronic pain, having to deal with difficulties of those elements sometimes really cause adversity to people. So sometimes our physical things cause us adversity. There's mental adversity. We hear all the time in our, in our, uh, in our world the things of ment about, about mental illness, how people are struggling, how people feel lonely, how people are afraid and, and just struggling sometimes alone uh, with things in their lives. Um, and sometimes seeking help from doctors and psychologists, psychiatrists, get help with that and people can help them. Um, we always need to reach out to those who are alone, especially when they reach out to us. When they reach out to us and ask for help, we should always try to guide them. We're not, we're not, all, not all equipped to help those who are struggling, but we know processes and things that can help them. So mental illness is, is a very interesting and difficult topic, and especially in our age today. The third one is emotional adversity. Um, Emotional maturity allows us to have a productive state of mind and face difficulties in life. Self-worth is vital to develop um, as rage and sadness can uh, lead to problems in daily life. So our emotions can get the best of us. We've talked about that some in class on Wednesday nights and some this morning about our emotions, how we need to control them and not let them control us. The fourth one is social adversity. Uh, social interaction is crucial to human life, and being limited in social skills can, can limit people from getting a job, from making friends, or maintaining their family together. So we have to develop our social skills, and we need to help people develop their social skills. Um, um, there are lots of illustrations of that in our lives, but you know, things as, as teenagers using deodorant, as, as things being, people being patient, people uh, being kind to each other are things that we need to teach uh, so social, our social interactions are better. And we need to help each other. We need to help each other. Sometimes that's not welcomed uh, when we try to help correct somebody, um, but we're trying to do it out of love, of course. Fifth one is fi uh, spiritual adversity. We have to believe that God is God. And we need to let him work in our lives and have be in Christ alone in order to, 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 to love and to, to forgive. This morning in class, we talked about forgiveness. And we talked about the difficulty of forgiving and how difficult it is when we hold it in our hearts when somebody does something to us. We hold that in our hearts and it forms bitterness and frustration and aggravation. And instead of forgiving like Christ has asked us to do, we hold that and it makes everything worse. When somebody does something to you, you should be open-hearted and love them and, and forgive them. Don't wait for them to ask for forgiveness. Don't wait for that. That's a, that allows your heart to become bitter if you allow it to do so. And the sixth adversity that we thought about was financial. Financial troubles, uh, not being able to full, afford the necessities creates a barrier to leading a happy life and doing what we need to do. So Christ, call, or Paul calls us in Philippians uh, to live through adversity and keep your eyes on Jesus throughout it. So I want us to, uh, to think about these first couple of verses uh, from verse, starting with verse 12. Um, but first of all, I want us to imagine being chained, uh, a soldier alone being chained with, chained with Paul for a six hour shift. Can you imagine? 
I mean, it's like being in a car ride with somebody for a long time. We rode to Tulsa with uh, Everett Conch for one year. And you all know Everett very well, and Everett likes to talk. And Everett talked for 13 hours on the way to Tulsa. And I wanted to change cars, but I was driving, so I, it was my car. So it was, it was difficult to, uh, and we teased him about that a lot. But Paul had this opportunity to share the gospel. And that's why he was in chains, because he was preaching the gospel to the, the, the world around him. And so they put him in jail to hold him so that he would stop. But did it stop him? No. No. It says that many, many soldiers, as, as a result of his influence, and their families came to Christ because of Paul's uh, preaching while he was in chains. I can imagine, I can imagine people who are in chains uh, just being frustrated and struggling, just being in jail, um, let alone continuing to do what brought you into that situation. But Paul was there not as a criminal, but just that more of a social issue that they had brought him in to, uh, to hold him. So it says, now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone that I am in chains for Christ. And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have been confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. To share the gospel of Christ, he was doing it in prison, but as people were hearing of it, as these prisoners were being converted and they were sharing with others, it became clear that Christ was the way. In verse uh, 15, it says, it is true that some preach the gospel out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. Even then, there were competing churches and competing uh, people preaching about the gospel. And I came several years ago to, to, to the, the observation that we should never, never criticize other churches, organizations that are doing missions. Because none of us know the facts. None of us know what they're doing. And if they're putting Christ in, into the world and serving Christ and speaking of Christ, they're doing a good work. Yes, there are probably things that they're not doing right, I would venture to say there are things we are not doing right. But you pick out the bones and you, you move on. You don't throw out chicken because it has bones. You, you pick the bones out and you move on and you, you eat the chicken. So when God is being glorified, we have the opportunity to, to, to share the gospel. Again, it may not be exactly like us, and, and, and then we don't know. You never know. But um, the, the, there was a, a quote as I, was, as I found, was looking. It says, don't be surprised that Paul had enemies among Christians. Show me any man or woman who is effective in the work of Christ, and especially in a visible role, and I will show you petty enemies who seek to undermine and slander and distort. And I find that to be true. I find that to be true. We don't like sometimes when somebody says and preaches this. And then we have to, that's when we have to examine our hearts and our, our minds and find out if we are contrary to that or we need to respond to that in, in some way. The quote went on to say, when Billy Graham was in his prime, 
he had a small but determined group of Christian enemies who publicly criticized him for his openness to work with denominations that, consi that they considered um, uh, wrong and for his stand on unsegregated crusade seating in an era when that was considered taboo. So they would fight against him, and, and we all know the, the influence that Billy Graham has had for, for the gospel. Uh, Paul was criticized for his openness to the, the uncircumcised Gentiles, his willingness to eat with them, to baptize them, and allow them uh, leadership roles in the church. So people were criticizing that. They weren't loving people because they were following Christ. They were not loving them uh, because of who they were, that they were Gentiles. And, and, and Christ, through Paul, uh, Paul through Christ, brought these people into to the fold. Um, Paul's response about Christians preaching in order to call him, cause him trouble, his response was, I choose to rejoice. I choose to rejoice. Um, his character and his attitude toward life because he is confident that he is in Christ and that Christ controls his destiny. That's what I, the quote I was looking for in class, um, Jeannie, um, about that Christ controls our destiny and that we can be confident when we are forgiving, when we are Christ-like um, and knowing that God is, is in control. Um, the issue of rejoicing is, not one, is, is one of self-control. I wanna say that again. The issue of rejoicing is one of self-control. What do I mean by that? How is rejoicing a practice of self-control? I have to choose to rejoice. I have to choose to praise God sometimes when my situations are not clear in my mind, but I have to choose to rejoice to God. The other thing I could choose is about worry and fear and anger and resentment. Those are responses to out of control situations that, that how we can respond. And none of those are helpful. None of those are helpful. It's never helpful to be worrisome and fearful and angry and resent, resentment. Those are none, none of those things are helpful for us. But we have to believe that God is in control and that we can rejoice freely and we can be filled with joy. I'm looking at all of us and we're like, how can I be joy, joyful in trials, in adversity? How can, I, how can that be true? And I know it's hard, but we remember Romans 8, 28. We, all, we know that all things work together for the good uh, for those who love God. Let me start that over. When we know that in all things work together for the good for those who love God, who are created according to his purpose, Romans 8, 28. If you actually believe that, your problems will no longer control your response, knowing that God is in control. Starting with verse uh, Ending with verse 18 on the next slide, it says, Yes, I will continue to rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and God's provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ that um, has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have su sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me... To live is Christ, and to die is gain. If I'm going to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet what shall I choose? I don't know. Paul sensed that his time of death was, was near. 
and while, while he was writing to the church, and he senses deliverance from God. But he also recognized the prayers of the people, and he was also recognizing the spirit, the power of the spirit that um, was given. And I, I've, I, I'm throwing in a pet peeve here for a second. Uh, it says, prayer is powerful. We all know how powerful prayer is. Prayers are not just good, wish, good wishes and just thinking good thoughts or good vibes about something or someone. We should never, we should never write those type of statements about wishing you, wishing you well and uh, got, you know, asking for good vibes. Um, that leaves God completely out of the, out of the, out of the, out of the connection. We have to put, pray, we have to pray and lift those people up to God. Your good thoughts are nice, but they have no power. Good vibes are interesting, but have no power. When you say you're going to pray for someone, then God's power is enacted and brought into the situation. So we always have to sense that, that God's prayer, that when we pray to God, that he will work. It's not just a psychological exercise. It is connecting to the strength that, that keeps us and keeps us going. We need to pray for each other, for our spiritual leaders, for missionaries uh, who are point men for the gospel in, in, in lands where Satan's power is strong and prayer is powerful. I want us to remember that. The other thing that Paul re recognizes here is the spirit of Christ, that the Holy Spirit is not a separate spirit, but the Holy Spirit. And Paul relies on the Holy Spirit to show him the mind of Christ and the will of God for his life. Paul relies on that, and we need to rely on the Holy Spirit of Christ as well to, to keep his promise alive. Verse Mark 13, verse 11 says, Whenever you are arrested and brought to trial, do not worry beforehand about what to say. Just say whatever is given to you at that time, for it is not you speaking, but the Holy Spirit within you. Paul was confident that the spirits and uh, prayers were helpful to him. Verse 23 says, I am torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is, which, is far, which is better by far, but is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and I will continue with all of you for your progress and the joy of faith, so that through my being with you against the boasting of, of Christ Jesus will abound on account of me. For to me, to, for to me life for to, for to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. That's probably a scripture we should, we should memorize, one that we could hold into our hearts. Because if I live, I get to enjoy Christ's presence as I do now. And Paul writes to the church um, for, in Colossae, uh, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. And he's already settled the matter of death, um, that whoever loses his life will find it. And if I die, things, if, die, if Paul dies, things get better, and he considers death as a gain uh, to be with God. I des and then uh, he, he says in verse 23, I desire to depart and be with God, which is better by far. He also reminds us in John 14, do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me and my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I'm going to prepare a place for you, and I'm going to prepare a place for you, and I will come back and take you with me so that you may be where I am. 
On Friday, I had a chance to uh, visit my friend Rosie Turnbull. And as I got to visit her, uh, I was told that the radiation had um, uh, her brain cancer had, had kind of changed her personality. And if you, and I was told if I, if I go, she may not be nice and she may be talking out of, you know, out of a Rosie that I didn't know. That never stops me from visiting and doing something with somebody that I love so. And uh, when I arrived on Friday, um, she was very happy to see me. I gave her a hug and she raised her hands in the air and she thanked God uh, for me and for my presence. I brought three Frosties, which may have sweetened the pot some. Um, and she was happy for that and she raised her hands again and prayed uh, for, for those treats and for the, the time together and our, 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 our conversation. And very quickly she started asking me some questions. She had no idea that this was the sermon today. No thought. God did, um, and evidently Rosie did as well, because she raised her hands in the air, and she said, to live is, is good and to be with my family, but to die is to be with Christ. And she raised this hand again, and she said, I want to live. I want to live to be with my family and continue my ministry. Rosie has been a part of uh, just incredible ministry to youth um, probably prior when, to I met her in 1979, but she has been an incredible person to, to push and to pray and to care for others and to, uh, to help others know Christ. Uh, a couple weeks ago after they found out her diagnosis, um, they asked her to come and a lot of the children ministry uh, came and sang some songs to her and uh, prayed for her and showed them some things. The, the young adults, uh, she's right there in the chair in the middle. Uh, some of the young adults came and helped clean her yard and help get things together. The next picture um, shows Rosie how I know her. Greeting that young man and uh, loving on him and of course loving her grand dogs. Um, Rosie's a very special person. She wrote this, and I wanted to uh, read it to you. It says, I'd like to share this with you. I wrote this on September 12, 1994. You have called me to confession, and I need you as my personal savior. I am truly rich, and continue, I am tr I'm truly rich. Continue to use me, Lord, to be a witness for your forgiving love, to be a servant, to be the, in the center of your will, to be a person of repentance, to live each day in the full forgiveness, and to truly forgive myself and others. May I continue to rejoice in your grace and be able to grace others, other lives because of what you've done to me. You are my Lord, my Savior, my resting place. Continue to renew me each day. I confess my need to fix everyone and everything. I confess my sins to you. I am full of pride. I am a great pretender. Make me real. Take off my mask. Her great love for the Lord has caused her in her, she's in her 90th year, to be a servant in just the most magnificent way. To love, to share the gospel, 
And as, as, I, as we sat there the other day, we kind of had a short visit because she kind of uh, got very tired quickly. I, I just was so blessed by that time. I want to live, I want to die. And, and I saw visually the, art, the, the fear and the thought that Paul was having, and I see Rosie in that, in that same spot. I ask you to continue to pray. I told her about Jim. If you remember a couple weeks ago when I mentioned it, she, uh, when she told me she had cancer, she said her prayer was that 20 folks would come to Christ um, in the coming days. And I told her about Jim, and she cried. She was very happy and blessed. And I told her we are you know, looking and counting on others to, to come to Christ uh, for their salvation but also as a blessing uh, in her, her heart as well. Philippians uh, chapter 1, starting with verse 27, it says, Whatever happens, conduct yourself in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in the one spirit, striving together as one for the faith of the gospel, without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. This is a sign to them that they will be destroyed, but you will be saved, and that by God. He reminds us that we have to be, have unity in the Spirit, that we, have to be, that we have to let the Spirit work in our life and guide us. We have to contend for the faith of the good news of Christ. We have to speak a good word for Christ in all the situations we have opportunity. And even when we don't have opportunity, or we look, think about a prison opportunity, some people don't look at that as an opportunity, but it is. And whatever your adversity is, whatever you see or, or are struggling with, that's an opportunity to share, share the gospel with Christ. I don't know how many opportunities that we have had as Christians when uh, one of our members or family go into the hospital to have a, a, a procedure or surgery. And the opportunity to stand there and to pray for them. Many times with Judy, um, the whole uh, surgical staff would join us in that prayer and, and many other times. And what a blessing that is to speak the word of Christ to these people in a very public, public space. I'm sure all of those people weren't believers, but many of them were. And it was, it's always beautiful to have them join in and to uh, let them witness the power of faith in, in our lives. And the last one is uh, to uh, have courage in the face of opponents, that uh, we strive to, to um, we strive to share the gospel even if it's difficult. Um, we all have situations and people in our lives that we would love for them to respond to the gospel. We have lots of strangers in our lives that need to respond to the gospel. And in some way and somehow we cannot give up with that struggle. Um, but I, I believe that many of us have given up on that struggle uh, to make the gospel clear to our family, to our neighbors, and to our community. We've come, become very complacent in sharing the gospel. And that's why it's important to point out when somebody responds to, to, to bless them and to be encouraged and to rejoice with them because somebody has come from sin and now have a has a destiny and a God that loves them. And so in our hearts and our minds, we need to have the faith to be
be sharing the gospel. And whatever our situations are, we always need to do that. Um, have we become lazy or complacent, feeling like it's somebody else's struggle? Um, if we do, our generation will be lost, lost to Christ. Verse 29. For it is granted to you on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer with him. And since you are going through the, the same struggle, uh, you, um, verse 30, since you are going through the same struggle you saw I had, and now here I still have. Philippians chapter 3, in a couple of weeks we'll hit it, seems to be Paul's vo voice. I want to know Christ and the fellowship of sharing his, in his sufferings and becoming like him in his death. Strange that this fellowship of, struggles, of sufferings, um, do we want to honor, um, do you want to honor, do you want the honor that was given to the prophets and the apostles? Then rejoice um, as Jesus when we are, we are uh, persecuted. God is pouring courage into us so that we will not be afraid to identify ourselves with Christ. Why is it difficult to stand and to be called a Christian? I told you early in the, earlier this year that my goal this year was when I had an opportunity to introduce myself um, in a public situation or one-on-one, or -on -one, I want in the first couple sentences, I want them to know that I am a Christian. I want them to know that I am a Christ follower. And by doing so, I'm setting myself up and setting them up to know that I am someone who sh should be showing love, should be showing kindness and grace and mercy, and, and serving others with the eyes of Christ. And that's something I've tried to do. And by, and by doing that, it, sometimes it breaks down some walls, sometimes it builds some walls in those situations, but you have that opportunity to let someone know that you are a Christ follower. Um, so we need to be willing to enter that struggle and to count ourselves as true disciples. Um, and that sometimes that's going to bring suffering and sometimes that's going to be, bring pain to our lives. So joy out of adversity. We think that we can't do it, but we can. Next slide kind of closes this up for us. That I can't, but I can. I can do it because of Christ in me. We looked at the open doors, um, even adversity that Paul had with the, uh, with the prison guards. We talked about his mission being accomplished by many of the house guard and their families becoming Christians. We talked about God being honored in, in what was done in, with Paul's life. And then we remember, as we talked in class this morning, that it is in Christ alone that we can bear adversity and the bear trials in our lives. This lesson, I, I hope, has brought you, some, brought you some hope, brought you some encouragement, um, because we can have joy in adversity, and we can only do that with Christ. And we can do that with each other, because as Christians, we have the opportunity to lift each other up and point each other to Christ. And when we have pains and troubles and struggles and sorrows, we need to share those with each other. We need to, first of all, as Diana said this morning, put it on God's hook, uh, give it to God, let him take it. But then we need each other to be an encouragement and to help and to bless each other. Our goal is to be in Christ and in Christ alone. Yea, not I, but Christ in me. That's our goal, to become Christ-centered people. 
and to be able to respond with joy and rejoice when we have struggles because that means that Satan is trying to get you. And we all have those times when Satan is after us. And I think he does it pretty often, probably 23 hours a day. <laughs> he is busy and he's active and he's after you. But we can stand strong because we are in Christ. And hold on to that with all that you have. Um, somebody was talking about the, the rope, holding onto the rope and tying that knot and holding on and looking to Christ so that we can be blessed. With that, the lesson is yours, and I, I hope that you heard some things that would be encouraging this morning. If you heard something that would help make you want to respond to the gospel of Christ, I would encourage you to respond. If you are in an adverse situation and you want the prayers of the church so we could help put others toward, uh, point your situation to Christ, we would love to pray for you and help, for you, help with you with that. Um, if you have a need to respond, please do it while we stand and sing.